Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to worship you together. And thank you, Lord, for another day to draw breath, another day to praise you, another day to learn more about you, Lord, and to follow you. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us today. We come to you broken, needy, hungry, and thirsty, Lord, yearning for your redemption and your care and your blessing. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, reveal yourself to us powerfully. Lord, may your Holy Spirit fall afresh on us today and fill us with a deep and abiding uh, desire to follow you, Lord, and to love you. Lord God, give me your words to speak to your people. Lord, and give us all your word to speak to a world which is yearning for hope. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is great to see you all today. Well, uh, we have, in case you haven't noticed, we've had lots of storms lately. Right? And those storms have been, some of them have been quite warm, unfortunately, which all of us are very sad about because it means we don't get as much snow in the mountains as we would like. But at the end of our last storm, it got cold and it dropped 18 inches of fresh, beautiful powder up in the mountains. And so yesterday, uh, we were up uh, for the high school ski team practice up at Sugar Bowl, and uh, we had before us fields of fresh, beautiful powder. And so there I was, I've been helping out with the ski team, and we had before us the opportunity, right, to ski that fresh, beautiful powder. And what did the kids not want to do? Ski. Ski the fresh, beautiful powder, right? Instead, they wanted to do drills on the groomed runs. You can do drill, a drill like you can, you know, these drills you practice a different part of your ski technique, right? And so you can do them any day, right? Because there's almost always a groomed run to do it on. But the powder, right, that has an expiration date on it, (laughs) right? Somebody else is going to go get it or it's going, the sun's going to come out and it's going to get heavy or it's going to get frozen and crusty or whatever it's going to, it's going to go away. So there I was, Saturday. A mountain full of untracked snow, and my responsibility as volunteering to help out with the ski team before me. And the kids didn't want to combine those two realities for me and make skiing with them, skiing in the powder. Instead, I had a choice to make. Do I stay with the team and do the drills, or do I sneak away and go and ski that beautiful, shiny, Pure powder. Life is filled with choices, right? It's filled with choices. Some of them less significant than than skiing, right? Um, for instance, like you go to the grocery store and you're there to go get chips. All right? How many chips are there in the grocery store? So he's like, yeah, it's chips as long as the eye. There's like a quarter mile of chips in the grocery store. I mean, you get more exercise walking down that aisle than calories you can get in the chips, probably. Well, I don't know about that. I can't hold that one up. But there's tons, right? Or bread or anything. There's just so many choices. Sometimes it's overwhelming in life. But here in our passage from Deuteronomy, the choices are very much focused down. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by the amount of choices. In this passage, we have one choice, which is a large decision to be made that is presented to us by Moses. 
Hello, Lola. So here in our passage, Moses stands before the people of Israel on the edge of the promised land. Remember, they've been wandering in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. That's right. 40 years because the first chance they had to go and enter the promised land, they didn't take it. They chose to listen to their fears instead of listening to God. And so they did not follow him and trust him that he would provide that land for them. Instead, they held back. And because of that, that generation died off in the wilderness, waiting to enter the promised land. So there they are. They're on the edge of the promised land. And Moses has just rehearsed through chapters of Deuteronomy. He's reminded the people of the law and the blessings and curses that come with obeying it or failing to obey it. All of this is summed up in the last verse of chapter 27, which says, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them. And the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them. That verse is telling us with no ambiguity that unless the Israelites fulfill the law, they will be cursed. That's pretty heavy, huh? All right, there we go. And with that light opening, uh, we get into our passage, right? Because our passage also brings up blessings and curses, obedience and failure to obey. If they obey, they, they will have long life and peace. If they do not, they will be cast out of the land and be exiled. And Moses... In light of this, in light of this long discourse that they've had, challenges them with this choice. He says, choose between life and prosperity or death and adversity. Which one do you think? Right? If you had to pick life and adver- life and prosperity or death and adversity, which one would you go for? Yeah, absolutely, right? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Life and prosperity any day over death and adversity. Nonetheless, he encourages them to choose life as though they were weighing the possibilities. Like, well, does death and adversity come with free breakfast? Right? Or, you know, what do we have here? And so he says, choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. We see here this connection of relationship, right? Loving the Lord your God, and then also fulfilling and obeying the law. So what does it mean for uh, these people to choose life? Well, we've just begun to get into it in this verse. It means that they'll remain God's covenant people, people who are committed to him, people who love God, people who long to be with him. And they'll also obey the law, the law of circumcision, the food laws, clothing regulations, those uh, laws around the theocracy uh, that they were, the moral laws, and faith in God and the relationship that was formed with him. Right, You've got this whole constellation of things that are signified when Moses says to the people, choose between life and prosperity or death and adversity. The people do everything 
they are called to do for the sake of the God who has saved them and watches over them. That is what the people were asked to choose that day, to choose the God who had delivered them from Egypt, who had brought them through the Red Sea, and who had put them on the, the edge of the promised land, prepared to take it over. They were asked to choose total and absolute devotion to the Lord. Now, in the 21st century, the same choice is before us. Will we choose life or prosperity or death and adversity? And what does it mean if we make this choice for life, this choice for loving God? Well, like Israel, we will enter into a covenant relationship. In this covenant relationship, we choose to obey the Lord. In the new covenant that was established by Jesus, many of the things that were required of the Israelites have passed away. Things like theocracy, like we don't live in one of those now. Uh, clothing regulations, festivals and, and feasts and food laws. The outward and visible signs that denoted the Jewish people and identified them as a group. Right, Those things have passed away. But the core of the law still stands, the moral law. And so also does the faith in God that resulted in relationship with him. That same relationship that the Israelites were called to, we are called to as well. Those things still remain valid and central to who we are as Christians. Now here is the fly in the ointment of this beautiful and relatively simple decision, it seems. But let's use Israel as an example. So the Israelites all chose option number one, right? Life and prosperity. And it's not hard to imagine them making this decision because the other one nobody would choose in their right mind. But the problem was is that they were unable to sustain it. The human condition is such that we either give up and begin to cheat on the law, cutting off corners, right? Trying to smooth it down a little bit so that, or massage it so that we can weave through it. Uh, this is kind of like, oh, for instance, we were driving home from skiing yesterday. And when you're driving down Highway 20, you have a couple options, right? You can drive below the speed limit and stay within the lines, right? Simple. Go really slow. There's plenty of room to stay in your lane, right? But if you click up the speed a little bit, you get home a little faster. But sometimes you have to cut off just a little bit of that double yellow, right? No big deal. Big deal? No big deal. It can be a big deal when? If a snowplow is coming at you, yeah. Or... What we think of more often is not the snowplow, but the highway patrol. Exactly. We don't think so much about the dangerous condition of that. We think about getting caught. Exactly. Now, so we might cut off the corners a little bit, and that's one of our reactions to the laws. Is The Israelites, too, they, thought, they kind of like eased around the ones that were difficult for them. Right, And so then, because they had done that, they were able to say when other people did it, oh, no big deal. Right? No big deal. If you see somebody, if you cross the double yellow, you see somebody else do it, no big deal. Right? They kind of get lax on the law. The other way is that you become totally focused on the law. And this causes us to desire to destroy all who fail at it as though we were the enforcers. And to get with another driving metaphor, uh, this is like road rage. Right? You become the enforcer of the highway. 
when somebody cuts somebody off or you off, you become the one to make things right. Right? And that's like the Pharisees. Right? They are like the road rage people of the New Testament. Right? You've got people who are so totally fixated on the law that they've forgotten about the relationship. The first example is people who kind of weave around the law a little bit, smooth and massage the corners to fit their needs. And these other people are so focused on the corners and the edges that they forget all about relationship. Both of those are equally condemned because both have fallen short of what God has called. And that's just what happened to Israel. People fell off one side or the other. And eventually, the nation was exiled. Now, Israel's response to this beautiful choice to choose life and prosperity reveals to us how actually terrifying it is to have a choice like this presented to us, to choose between life and prosperity and death and adversity, when we know that life and prosperity has as a backdrop perfect law obedience before a holy, righteous, all-seeing and all-knowing God. That's a terrifying decision. And one which should cause us to pause to consider where our hope would lie in a choice like that. The hope that we hold fast to is one that is life and prosperity. But we hold to a hope that there has been a perfect Israelite who held the law all the way to his dying breath. And when he died... He died on our behalf and was raised on the third day that by his perfect love and obedience to the Father, he fulfilled the requirements of the law for you and for me. So that you and I can look at the choice of life and prosperity and not see the curse of the law behind it, but see the blessings of relationship with God. That is our hope. In Jesus Christ, that he has swallowed for us death and adversity. He has swallowed for us the punishment of the law. And he offers us hope and life and peace. Today, the choice of Deuteronomy is before us. Life and prosperity or death and adversity. But this choice is not made by swearing to uphold a pack of laws but by turning to Jesus Christ, the Savior, confessing our sin and our failure to him, confessing that we are rampant lawbreakers and asking for his forgiveness and entrusting ourselves into his hands. Then, redeemed, transformed, and set free, we go out into the world with his blessing and strength, seeking to live out the law, Not because we'll be saved through law obedience, but because we're grateful that he has already redeemed us. And because of that, we desire to be faithful and to give him glory in this world. There are choices everywhere in life. Choices between skiing powder or fulfilling your obligation to the high school. What decision have we made in our life? Where is our trust? 
Where have we put our hopes? And what does that say about our lives? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the God of grace and mercy, but that you are holy and righteous. We turn to you now, Lord God. We confess that we have fallen short. We have sinned. We have broken your righteous and holy law. We're sorry. And we ask that you would forgive us, that you would restore us and redeem us and wash us clean by your blood. Lord God, send us into this world filled with thanksgiving and joy. And may we proclaim your goodness and your mercy in this world and faithfully serve you and live out your law. And when we fall short, give us hearts to confess and to return to you and to seek reconciliation and peace. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.